0: Week six, don't panic, deal with it. Last time we were in the Elisha series, we t- I talked about this message called, It's Time to Get Involved. And just to make sure that we know what that was about to bring you up to date, a wealthy woman's son died and was brought back to life. One of the many miracles that God performed through Elisha. And we talked about the idea that God does not change his mind. Just because the culture is going way, one way doesn't mean that God is going to go with it. He wants us to stay steadfast in what he has called us to be and how we are to represent him in all his ways. God does not change his mind, and too often, we, I think we pass things off as part of his plan that was actually not part of his plan. God has a plan for you, but you have the free will and ability to walk outside of the steps that he has planned for you and ordained for you. That may be foreign to some of your ears, but rest assured, you can walk outside of the plan of God. He loves you that much. If he he lets you choose him or not choose him, he lets you choose his ways or not choose his ways. That means he also allows you to walk in his path or go your own way, right? So in that, we are to get involved and say, God, I want to walk in your plan. And sometimes when things happen outside the plan, we've got to get involved and do something about why the plan ain't going according to what he wanted. And in this specific example, last time we talked, Elisha uh, uh, blessed this woman, she got pregnant. She had the son, and a few years later, he was out in the, the, the field working, and he dropped dead, and they could have either accepted the situation as was, or they could have gotten involved, and that's exactly what they did, and the son was raised back to life. I think sometimes we get to places in this world where we, things happen that weren't part of the plan, and we just accept them as is instead of getting involved, Okay? Like, like, like someone passes away, but you're too nervous about your faith to actually try to pray healing over them because you don't want to look stupid or you don't want to fail. And I've talked to you about last week how I had that happen where I prayed for a family member that I believe was not taken out of time, what was not taken in his time, and I prayed about 15 minutes and nothing happened. But I'm gonna every time I feel like that, I'm going to try, right? There's all kinds of things that happen not according to the plan. I don't believe that every president was according to the plan. Why? Because we vote. God don't. Can we can we okay? Let's get let's loosen up a little bit. Things happen that aren't always part of the plan. Don't tell me that God planned COVID to shut down churches. Wasn't part of the plan. So how do we respond to the thing that wasn't part of the plan? It's time to get involved. Well, with this next part of the story, in this Days of Elisha series, we hear a message like it's time to get involved. And most of us, when you hear that, we, okay, let's get involved. So we start doing things. But what happens is when you get, what happens when you start getting involved, but everything ain't so happy-go-lucky? Like what happens like to that person who you hear a message like it's time to get involved and then you start getting involved and you're like, this stinks. Like this isn't working. Nothing's going according to how I, I thought it was going to go. This isn't easy. This is harder than I expected. What happens when it doesn't go as smooth? I think a false message to the church would be, If God leads you to it, it's going to be easy because he wants it. That's the most bogus message, but it's been preached all throughout the church. Come to God. And we talk about, well, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So it's going to be easy. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but that's actually not what that scripture means. We we take on this mindset, if I accept Jesus, that means everything's going to go great because I have the the Lord as my my lead and my covering and my Savior. And every decision I'm going to make from this point after, no problems. And then when a problem comes, because you believe that that idea, you don't question yourself. You question God. Like, God, what are you doing in this? Why did you let this happen? And God's like, I had nothing to do with that. You did it. And see, you don't like that. Notice how everyone got quiet when I said that. We don't like the idea that we have to take responsibility and not put it on God. Is this too much? Too fast? Okay. But let's remember that God is in the process of redeeming everything that was lost. And we play a part in his redemption plan. And when we say yes to God, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, you can expect things to get pretty flipping hard. I want to start off with a scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell, I I want to sing that so bad, but... (laughs) And if you don't know what that song is, you are more saved than I am. The highway to hell is broad, and its it's gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is easy. No, the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. It's very clear that a life in Christ is going to be difficult. But what do you do with a scripture that says his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Well, I'm going to tell you what we should do with it. Yoke is easy and his burden is light. It does not mean that a life in Christ doesn't require anything from you. It doesn't mean you can be lazy and just live it up until you die. It doesn't mean that you just go to church and try not to sin. There's actually more to it. In fact, when it says his yoke is easy, that word easy comes from a Greek word called krestos, and this is what it means, well-fitted. The easy part about it is that it's easy to fit on you. Not that it's easy, but it's well-fitted. In other words, when you come into the kingdom as a son or daughter of God, there is a yoke that is well-fitted and designed just for you. And you're the one that can carry it, and no one else can. I can't carry your yoke, and you can't carry my yoke, because they're well-fitted for the individual. It's fit for you to carry in his name. And few find life because we reject the yoke. People are searching for Jesus and because you reject what's well fitted for you, they'll never hear or see the power of God through your life because we reject what's hard because we only want what's easy. But we need to understand that the hard thing that's well fitted for you, it says The burden of it is light because you're not doing it alone. The yoke is, you've got a purpose well fitted for you that's going to be difficult, but the weight of it will be light because He's with you all the way through it. It has, yeah, you should like it. It's scripture. There's there's nothing about this that is going to be easy but it won't be too heavy. okay. Hmm. The thing you're asked to put on in your new life in Christ will be burdensome at times, but it's tailor-made for you to carry. And the only way you can succeed in it is entering into a relationship with Jesus so close that you don't just worship the idea of him, you walk in a disciplined relationship with him. It's called being a disciple, discipline, discipline relationship. And when you walk in that discipline relationship, the yoke that seemed, I don't want to go there, it won't be nothing for you to handle because you won't be scared of what's hard because you know it won't be heavy. Is this making sense? Okay. Okay. And in understanding that, as you walk closer in your purpose that is fitted just for you, can I go off for a second? I was listening to a local pastor this week. I'm not going to tell you his name. I promise I won't. If you want to know it, come see me afterwards. But I'm not going to tell you in the pulpit. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to tell you at all. But he was talking about how he's tired of how the church is trying to raise up entrepreneurs when it should be trying to raise up disciples. And I got what he was saying to a degree until he got to this point. He mentioned, we just need to get people saved so that they can go out and what they are supposed to do in the business world. And I thought to myself, well, what's wrong with getting saved and teaching them a kingdom kind of business world to go into the, world and show them how they're doing it all wrong I want to disciple people but I also want to say what are you fitted for because I'm not everyone is fitted to work for a church sometimes I doubt if I'm fitted to work for a church But you're fitted for something. You're fitted for a business. You're fitted for a trade. You're fitted for a a talent, a trademark. You're fitted for this thing that no one else can do like you. And as you're walking closer in your purpose, that thing you're made for, it's not less holy to be doing a trade in the world or running a business in the world. What's holy is how you manage what the yoke is on. It's not more holy to be a prophet than to work at Walmart. Because someone's got a yoke to be a prophet where you don't. You've got a yoke to be at Walmart that they don't. But do you cuss at the registers when they break? Or do you have a different kind of response because you're ready because you're fitted for that purpose? Does does that make it? Okay. Okay. You are going to walk through some situations that don't seem productive to the purpose. As a pastor, I walk through all kinds of situations all the time that don't seem productive to the purpose. And the old me would just be like, cut it, don't want to deal with it, shut up, leave me alone. But I've realized if I'm fitted for the purpose that means I'm also fitted to deal with the situations. And a lot of us question our calling or question our purpose when an issue comes and you need to hear tonight the reason the issue came to you is because you are well fitted to deal with the issue. I wish more marriages would hear that. When an issue comes, it doesn't mean you run from it, it means you, you deal with it, Right? Or, 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 or in friendships, when an issue comes, you don't run from it, you deal with it. Or in the church, when an issue comes, you don't go find another one, you. When, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop there. You, you, you don't panic, you deal with it. I don't know if the laughs are good or bad. You're going to encounter situations that feel out of line with your purpose. And I'm telling you today, don't panic when you encounter those. Deal with them. I want to read this passage from Isaiah 43. But now, verse 1, but now, Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I've ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Hmm. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Let me read verse 2 again. When you go through deep waters. Not if. But we love to put if. Because you think the deep waters come only if you're doing something wrong. Right? Like... Like, part the Red Sea. Don't get rid of it. Walk right through it. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. The whole passage starts out with this, we are in the identity of his. He says, you are now... Mine. I've called you by name. You are mine. I fit the yoke on you. And there is a promise put on you that when you enter into the identity as a child of God, there's a new truth. When you accept an identity under the, the name of Jesus, now that you are a son or daughter of God, there is a new truth for you that unbelievers don't get to have. What's the truth? When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When they go through deep waters, they're going to be alone. Oh, that's God? would. Yeah. That's why you're called to represent him so well that when they don't know to call upon him, they call upon the one that represents him. Yeah. But when you don't represent him, you're the last one they want to call on, yet you say you have the name of Jesus. Okay, when you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you won't be burned up. When you when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be consumed. These are the advantages of being children of God. So here's my question: Why is it that when we see deep waters, we measure it, we define it, and we find every reason as to why God's not leading us to it? Why is it that when the river gets difficult, we try to find a way around it instead of? Why is it that we wanted to find how hot the fire is and how big the flames are and we try to avoid it? That's what the people of God tend to do with bad situations. We don't want to deal with them. We want to walk around them. We want to build a bridge over it. We want to find another way. We want to convince God, I'm not called for this. And God says, you are no longer under the name of a fallen creature. You are under the name of a living God. And if you are following me and you come to a Red Sea moment or a a, a river of of rapids or a, a fire, he says, You will not be alone in it, and I'm going to take you right through it. The fire won't touch you. The water won't consume you. You won't get swept away. So why is it that we're wasting so much time trying to get around everything? Because when problems come, we panic, and we don't deal with it. Is this okay? We try to reason our way out. We try to pray our way out. I see more people praying longer about the problem than simply asking God how to get through the problem. You ever notice that? We'll pray and pray, God, remove it, God, remove it, God, remove it, and we never say, God, how do you want me to go right through it? God, take it away, take it away, take it away, take it away. And God's like, I fitted you with a purpose. And I don't want to take it away. I want you to navigate through it. But that's our human nature. Because we don't like when things get difficult. We don't want to see it head on. We try to get around it. And we'll start to do the the, the, the churchy's reasoning. Well, you know, I I just don't have peace about this. God doesn't want me in it. Yeah, he does. Is this too difficult? You see, when God God says, with me, he says, when you're with me, you can handle the deep waters. You can handle the difficult rivers. You can walk right through the flame. But we panic. When you are led to do something, It's, the, the language shouldn't be, this is too tiring, or this is too hard, or this is too difficult, or I'm not called for this. Maybe you need to realize that you are called for it, because I, I am a child of God. So we love to say things like that, but do you realize what that puts on you? It's not just like this invisible bubble of protection. You, 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 you get access to knowledge and wisdom that you didn't have before. See, we always want like a a spiritual get the knowledge or wisdom when it comes to speaking into someone, but we throw it away when we come to a situation we don't want to deal with. When the only way you can walk through the deep water is through a word of wisdom that you would not have had before. Like for some reason, you knew how to handle this situation even though you had no prior training on how to handle it. Like for some reason, you figured out how to part the Red Sea even though you're not an oceanographer. Right? And it didn't come with build a machine. It came with like, like, like raise a stick. Hmm. When you've got a bunch of agreement and something that disagrees with peace, don't panic, just deal with it. What have I come into agreement with that I should never have come into agreement with? What did I disagree with that I should have never disagreed with? Because a lot of times, what happens when we panic about something, it adds to the time frame of the problem. Nothing gets done, and before you know it, you've got a bigger fire, stronger currents and a never-ending deep water that you're tired of treading. All because you spent more time reasoning your way out instead of dealing with it. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was I, I I find myself doing this sometimes. Like a problem will come up and man, I, I'm tired of this church. I'm tired not this one. <laughs> Jesus help me, Lord. I'm tired of dealing with these people. I am tired of the, I, And God's like, why are you wasting time? How about let's turn that back into thanking me for the people that you don't want to see and the people that you don't want to call and the situations you don't want to deal with. And let's get on it. Stop panicking and deal with it, Kyle. These are the people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is, we're called to deal with these situations in a certain kind of way. These are not up there, but let me just read these. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens, not just the ones that you want to. Philippians 2.3-4 3, 3, says this, don't do anything out of selfish ambition, value others. Hebrews 13, 16, don't forget to do good and share with others. Romans 12, 9 through 10, love must be sincere and be devoted to each other in love and honor one another above yourself. John 15, 12 through 13, love each other like I love you. In other words, lay down your life. The more we would get about dealing with the situation instead of panicking because you don't want it to affect you, you start to walk in your calling a lot sooner than later and as you walk in your calling you'll be even better equipped to deal with the stuff that's going to come that you don't like nothing is going to be easy peasy but you're fitted for it you're fitted for the the problems Because when God formed you and he made you before you were in your mother's womb, he knew what you could handle, and he knew what he wanted to do. And we say these things sometimes like, well, the Bible says God don't give you more than you can handle, but you can certainly take on more than he gave you. But are you so powerful that you won't accept your yoke and throw everything else away? Or realize you just never put on the yoke in the first place. Or maybe you realize that all the stuff is part of your yoke. See, that's the really hard one. Like when you're called to do this thing and everything is coming against it, if the thing that's coming against it has to do with the thing, you don't get out of that. But that's part of growing, that's part of maturing, that's part of stretching. God, show me. Not God get me out. Not God deliver me from no. You need first of all you need to be delivered from you. Cuz you're not under your name anymore, you're under his name and say, "God, how do I?" Well, God, this is what I think I'm gonna, No. He's above your understanding. His his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher up than your thoughts. Stop thinking and start submitting. Take on the mindset of Christ. And this one is the hard one. Because we can talk about love, 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 love all day long. But this is the hard part. Look at Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. To those who are willing to listen, y'all willing to listen? That record broke. I say, love your enemies. Love your enemies. The next time you talk about President Biden or President Trump or the people that wear masks when they're alone in their car. I'm sorry, if that's that's you in here, We're going to have an altar call later just for you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Oh, Lord. Oh, I'm just kidding, y'all. I'm just kidding. I'm not, but it's all right. (laughs) There's a lot of other churches around if if you don't want to come back here. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to the ones that don't like you. Well, I'm not called to deal with them because we just don't get along. That's no longer a condition. Trust me. Okay. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other one. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt. Give to anyone who asks. When things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do you see how everything that he's giving us is totally opposite of what our nature is? Obviously, some of this stuff is not to be taken literally. He's simply saying, everything that you think, don't assume it's correct. Because in your nature, you want to separate yourself from the ones that are coming against you. In a godly nature, he says, sacrifice yourself for him. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Like, he's like, basically the Bible's saying, oh, you love people who love you, big deal. <laughs> Even sinners love those who sin. If you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners do it. If you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? I wish some creditors would hear that one. Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. And then your reward from heaven will be very great. You will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You know that his blessings rain on the just and the unjust? Why are they getting blessed? They didn't do anything because he's unconditionally loving. And if you think you should get more because you're a Christian, that means you just put a I deserve. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And for some reason, our compassion goes out the window when the water's too deep, when the river current is too strong, when the Fire is way too hot that you don't want to get near it and you want to get someone else to handle it. God says, I'm going to be with you in all of it. You know why? Because he knows your fallen nature and he knows that the fallen nature likes to dodge issues and panics rather than managing issues and dealing with it. Why should we be concerned about dealing with it? Because if it came to you as for a yoke, a purpose that's fitted just for you. So thinking about all that, we've gone through all this text about how we are to deal with issues and deal with problems and don't panic. I think I made a pretty good, clear picture of that. I want you to look at what Elisha comes home to because Elisha has been dealing, like doing all these miracles, over and over. I don't know about you, but, like, if I've been out for months doing miracles and I finally get a break to go back home, I'm expecting, like, rest and ease because, God, you better reward me for what I did. See, we're going, hmm, 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 but we are, we're all there, right? God, I've been serving you for this long. Why haven't you done this for me? God, I've been doing this for you. Why haven't you come through? Right? God, I finally got back in church. Why isn't it getting easier? Right? Well, look what, what Elisha comes home to. It says in verse 38, Elisha now returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. A famine. There was no steak and potatoes waiting for him. There, 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 there was no, you know, burritos and tacos and with queso dip and peppers and onions and rice. There was none of that waiting for him. There wasn't no $85 three-ounce steak from Ruth Chris. No. Famine. One day as a group of prophets was seated before him, he said to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. Notice the condition, the famine in the land. And there was no, oh my gosh, what do we do about this? You know what he did? He dealt with it. You know what? Get a pot, get some water. Let's make it through with what we got. And too many times we come to situations like that and we don't want to just deal with it. We want to complain about the conditions. We do that right now with 2021, especially in the church. We complain about the conditions. Well, when are they going to let us open the doors and when are they going to make us stop social distancing? We haven't socially distanced since two years ago. At some point, you got to do something if you don't like it. At some point, you've got to take a stand for Christ and what you feel like he's telling you to do. And stop coming down the ones who feel like they got to handle it in a different way. Because this yoke is for us. That yoke is for them. Stop comparing yokes. Of, of, of course, we, we're not doing the distancing and all that. We're called relentless for goodness sakes and you got a preacher that no one else likes, of course we're going to go against the mold. But personally, I wasn't scared of losing people. I can't say that for others. That's, but that's, that's, what, that's what I'm yoked for. I don't care. It's God whatever you want. And I'm not trying to say that in a look at me. Talk. I'm trying to say, you've got certain things you've got to deal with, and you've got to deal with them. Not back off, not run around, don't panic about it, just deal with it. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. God will have his glory if you listen to him. You know, my Bible says that the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer and my refuge. So I say with every situation that comes against you, remind yourself, why am I panicking? If he's my solid rock, why, am I, why should I worry? Why should I care? Why? But we panic. Don't be anxious or worry about anything look at Philippians 4 18-19 it says at the moment I have all I need and more I'm generously supplied with the gift you sent me with Epaphroditus what a great name their sweet smelling sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to God watch this and the same God who takes care of me is going to supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus, the moment you panic is the moment you call God a liar. Why? Because you believe he will supply what? All of your needs. So if you have a need that comes about that you panic about, that's the moment you just reveal that you don't trust in what you say you believe. Because you don't want to have to go through the waters. You just want to get to what's on the other side. And you think God is just going to magically do it instead of getting you to press into him and lean into him when you got to go through the deep water and the strong current and the hot blazing fire that you don't want to touch. See, I, I think that's an issue in the churches. We've, we've made God to be like an like, like a, a instant magic boom, and that's not how it is. He says, I've equipped you, I've given you, I've put a new identity on you. You know what the new identity he puts on you is? It's the one that we first carry before Adam and Eve messed it all up. The one where, like, the earth is in submission to us, where we're kings of the earth. That's why in Revelation it says he is the K, capital K, kings of little k kings. He is the king of kings. What that means is, you, know what you want to know what your yoke is? You're called to manage something. You're called to govern something. That word king can be interchanged with the word governor. Back in ancient Rome, they would get all the governors from all the provinces to come together to meet about how, the, how they were going to handle things. You know what the meeting was called? It was called ecclesia. You know what that word is? Church. This is, this is going to upset some of you. But as I've explained, I don't care. Church was not meant for the assembling of trying to get people to believe. It's meant for the assembling of the governors to figure out how we're going to go, change the province. That's under my yoke. Because I don't have a door into your company. The only way I can get in is to speak into you. Because you're the governor of your relationships. You're the governor of your job. You're the governor of everything. I'm not. And God says, I've given apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to equip all the governors to go do what they're supposed to do. It's not to come here to just get encouraged to get better. No, it's let me give you some stuff so that when something comes against you on Monday, Because I assure you, it will. Don't panic. Just deal with it. The key is, his supply may not match up with what you want. Because what if God knows that you need to grow, so he gives you what you need to be stretched, but then you start measuring all the stuff uh, this is too deep for me. This is, the current's too rough. The fire's too hot. And you miss out on what God wants to do in and through you because you don't really want to be stretched. You just want to stay comfortable. L- let me just tell you something about God. He's not pleased with where you are. He loves you. But if you think God is okay with where we are, I don't care how high you up on the totem pole, there's always a, a next level A next glory, a place to grow. I don't care if you've been in church 75 years, He wants you to go from glory from 75 to glory 76. He loves you unconditionally, but trust me, until the day you meet Him in heaven, He wants to stretch you and pull you and grow you. And when He wants to grow you, don't panic. Deal with it. Elisha didn't come back and say, uh, I've been out traveling and doing all these healings and doing the Lord's work. You mean to tell me there ain't no food? No, 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 Elisha just said, All right, just go get a pot, put some water in it. Let's go get some veggies. Let's go get some roots. Look what happens though. In verses 39 and 40. One of the young men went out into the field to gather some herbs. And they came back with a pocket full of wild gourds. He shredded them and put them into the pot without realizing they were poisonous. Hmm. Some of the stew was served to the men, and after they had a bite or two, they cried out, man of God, there's poison in this stew. In other words, they got sick, so they wouldn't eat it. You talk about a bad day in ministry. <laughs> like there's a famine in the land, and you say, come on, church. Come together for some food. Everyone gets sick. Is it really any different than there's a disease in the land? Come on, church, let's gather. And then someone gets COVID. Can't look. And when that happens, you can question everything and measure the water and measure the current. And say, Maybe we shouldn't meet and maybe we shouldn't do this and or just don't panic and just deal with it. God gave you a gift of healing. If someone got sick in the gathering, deal with it. Get them unsick. It's not rocket science, church. But, 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 but where's your faith at? Do you actually believe that God can do that through you? Well, I'm not ready. That's the best place to be. I've never done that before. Good. You won't try to mimic someone that's done it on TV. What's so wrong with I don't know? All the disciples started out that way. God will provide. Get a pot. Get some veggies. They poisonous. We sick. We ain't eating nothing. (laughs) Essentially, Elijah's responsible. He's the one that told the men to gather the stuff, and now they're all sick. The rest wouldn't eat. That kind of reminds me of a lot of where we are today, where we're in a season of without. Things get rough. Things get tough. And instead of running into the house of God, people are saying, there's six stuff there. We gotta separate. We gotta, we ain't doing that. We need to go away. And then the preachers are coming into agreement with it. But when we read this passage, when there's some yuck in the pot, we're not supposed to panic. We're supposed to deal with it. Look what he does in verse 41, 2 Kings 4:41. Elisha said, Bring me some flour. Of course, when people get poisoned by food, just get some flour. Then he threw it in the pot, and he said, now it's all right, go ahead and eat. And then it didn't do him any harm. You see, he didn't panic. He didn't go looking for a new way or a new food. He didn't pour the pot out. He didn't try to get the poisonous roots out. There was a miracle of purifying what was poisonous. And I think, we think that the answer is always remove the poison when God says, I want to redeem it. I want to transform it. Because that's what the church likes to do. What's fine, what's bad, and get it out. And God's like, well, according to my scripture, son or daughter, you got to start with you. Like, you see the speck in theirs, but before you start removing that, get it out yourself. And I want to point out what that scripture means it doesn't mean you can't look at their speck. And that and that doesn't mean you don't deal with their spec. You deal with yours so that you're more successful in helping them with theirs. Because you'll come from a humble place instead of a prideful place. You won't deal with it as if you're better than them. You'll deal with it in a merciful type of way. Elisha didn't get the stuff out, he just threw something in. I think we need to be more like Elisha. Because I believe that God has something in each in every one of us, that if we would just add our flour to the pot, poison would be redeemed. But are you willing to suffer for the point of exposure of the poison? Because notice, they didn't know it was poison until what? Someone had to eat it. The only way they knew that there was poisonous fruits in there is that they had to become part of it. Think about Judas. Judas was exposed with the kiss of betrayal not separation and pointing out. You see, Elijah looked to God and God said, don't remove him, let me heal him. And I think one reason why we measure the water and the current and the fire is because we're not willing to get a little sick for the point of exposure. We're not willing to lose a little bit or go backwards for the point of exposure. Whether that be reputation or whether that be whatever it is. We don't like the idea of loss or less or backward. And sometimes that's what it takes for the the whole to move forward. Hmm. I, I think about we were touching on this a little bit in men's group and I'm, I, this is not a, a giving message so don't, don't turn your ears off when you hear this but it's the same principle with Malachi 3. He says like bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that none no will go without. So let's get real. We say that but we all still what? Go without. You know why? Because the key word there is bring all. And when you're tied to a house... All is not just based on you. You know what all is? Everyone in this room who considers himself part of the house. He says when all of it comes back, there will be no need among you. You know why there are still needs? Because it ain't all back. And why does he say bring it back? Because it's not yours to begin with. It's the same principle here. It's like I want the whole pot good. I don't want to just remove a little, I want the whole thing. So he tells Elisha, put some flour. And let me just say this. The poison was put in the pot. The poison can be put in the church. But guess what? It's not by the devil. It's by people. Because the devil can't operate without the agreement of people. And a lot of poison comes in the church because we find pleasures in the world and we'll bring those roots and those pleasures into the house and expect the church to do it like the world does it. But even in that, God says, you don't have to necessarily remove it, just throw some flour in it. Throw some good bread. Throw some good food. Throw some good teaching. Let my ways redeem the bitter and poison thing, trying to corrupt the whole thing. And what people do is when we see a hint of poison, we separate. And God says, I've got something that you're supposed to add your flour. Notice again in this verse 41, it says, Elisha said, Bring me flour. He threw it in the pot and said, Now it's all right. Go ahead and eat it. You notice as soon as it was thrown in, it was okay. A lot of what's wrong in the church, I believe, could be fixed immediately if you would start adding instead of separating. But we separate because we panic and we don't want to deal with it. Y'all see now why after page one I said, no, God, no. This is a tough message to swallow, especially like a week before Christmas. Look what happens in the rest of the chapter. So he gets the poison out, flowers added. Verse 42, one day a man from Baal (laughs) Shalushanenovah brought the man of God a sack of fresh grain and 20 loaves of barley bread made from the first grain of the harvest. Elisha said, give it to the people so they can eat. What? Feed 100 people with only this? You see what the servant's doing? He's doing what? He's panicking. I've only, I've only got this much. I can't do anything. I, I can't tithe. i got to pay my bills. Right? It's just the easiest example. I'm sorry to offends you. To offends you probably because you need to learn. Love you. Come back. <laughs> Feed 100 people with only this? Elisha repeated, give it to the people so they can eat. This is what the Lord says, everyone will eat, and there will even be some left over. Think about it, 100 people, 20 loaves. And when they gave it to the people, there was plenty for all and some left over, just as the Lord had promised. Now, I want you to notice what first happened here because we love to pay attention to a lot of things in this passage. There are 20 loaves of bread, not enough to feed 100 people, They broke the bread, they served what they had. Oh, this is just like Jesus feeding the 5,000. Y'all notice that? Except he had like two loaves. But I want you to pay attention to verse 42. It says, 20 loaves of barley bread made from the first grain of his harvest. The guy brought his first fruits. And what was the condition of the land? They were in what? Famine. The thing he needed, he said, No, 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 I, I know how this whole thing's work, and I'm gonna give it first. Not after my family's fed, not after my stuff's taken care of. Here's my first fruits. The guy brought his first fruits. And it was the very thing everyone was lacking in a famine. Stop panicking. Stop letting your conditions convince you that God is okay with not getting the first fruits of your work, the first fruits of your labor, the first fruits of all you have to bring. We would all never go without and have enough left over if we would simply say, here I am. God multiplies what you bring him. But oftentimes we don't bring because we panic instead of dealing with it. We even do it with our personal lives, like a call to serve God. And we start panicking at that idea because we start measuring the water. Well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what my life's been like. I've been out of church for this long. I don't know the Bible. Can I, can I tell you all something? The disciples didn't have one. And they did just fine. I don't remember the disciples quoting much scripture. They just knew the one who was. Because the scripture is what they just said from the mouth of God. They they weren't qualified to do anything. They didn't measure up in the church books. Well, I've got to get my life right first. No, 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 no. That's panicking. Panicking. I've got to do this, I've got got to get my life right, I've got to get everything in line before I can serve God. And God's like, would you stop panicking and let me just deal with your life by adding your flour. Start giving, start serving, start getting involved. God says, I just want you. He's not surprised with how messed up you are. He knows you very well. And still he says, stop panicking about that. Let's just deal with it. I can tell you from personal experience, it was when I started to give God everything that more stuff started to fall. Because I think what we're really scared of is the accountability it brings when we start to get transparent. Don't panic about your sinful life. Don't panic about what you haven't done right. Just deal with it. God, here I am. And a lot of us have received some things in our lives bad cards, bad situations. And I believe today God is saying the healing agent is simply deal with it. Stop letting those things of your past hinder you from your future, hinder you from today. It's not, I'll get it right tomorrow. God says, The only one who can make you good enough for my service is my son. And if you've accepted him, you're made righteous. You're made right, even in all you do wrong. So stop panicking and just deal with the fact that you're right. Can I just say that? Stop panicking about what you did before you came to church. Stop panicking about what you did last night. Stop panicking about what you did last week and just deal with the fact that you are a son or daughter if you believed in him. And if you have never believed in him and have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, deal with this. He wants you. And all he needs is yes. Can we stand together tonight? I just want to open up this area just for a few moments for prayer. Maybe God's revealing something in your life that You just haven't, you've been hiding, you've been running, and God's saying, hey, let's just deal with it and put it at the, the, the feet of Jesus, put it at the altar tonight and leave it there and start dealing with it. Maybe that's you. I invite you to come up to the front right now. We got people who will pray with you. Maybe God's been revealing that something throughout this message and you've realized you've been running from a true identity of who you really are. And tonight, dealing with it is saying, Jesus, here I am. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you want to do it again for the 45th time. I don't care how many times it is. Maybe you just need to say, I'm dealing with my life tonight and giving it to God before we get to his birthday. I don't know what it is, but I just want to open this up for prayer. So with heads bowed and eyes closed right now, if that's you, just just come up to the front so we can pray for you.